0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Jesus 911 on Virtual Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava here. I'm a one man car today. My partner is is off, uh, getting healthy, and um, so keep him in your prayers but uh today we have a good show we have uh we're going to be talking about the misinformation that has come out of Uvalde Texas and uh and then uh in the 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 other parts of the show we're going to have a special guest Megan Morris who who works and runs the Life Center uh of Santa Ana walking with teen, walking with moms and uh it's going to be a terrific interview if you want to stay tuned for that uh but uh, anyway um as I said um, many times, when this shooting occurred, um, there, I wanted to withhold my my um, comments until we, all the information was come has come out, and uh, we were we were seeing things that were put out by the media, people who don't know anything about law enforcement, and um, just for those who have never heard of the show before, uh, this is the three retired uh, LA County deputies here on this show, Jesse myself and Paul clay. And, um, you know, my background is having worked, um, you know, the gang unit for six years and narcotics for eight years and, and then, uh, detectives for three years. I, I mean, I've served a lot of warrants. I've been through many, many doors. So I know a little bit about this and, you know, assisted on, on SWAT team entries on the outside perimeter, of course. Um, and so when I, when I saw these people saying, ah, oh, these guys are just standing around and, Uh, You know, I I think they don't know anything about outside containment, inner containment, command posts, you know, and and so there are going to be people standing around. So they look like they're doing nothing. But let's let's kind of go through this, because, um, you know, anytime we have a a tragedy in our country, especially uh, something as egregious as a a school shooting, it's important to separate fact from fiction. Um, Unfortunately, this the Internet age. Um, stories and rumors get spread, oftentimes without attribution, and and lies go viral. And um, the recent school shooting is is no, sadly no different. So Georgia law enforcement did a good job of taking each one of these claims and um, dissecting it and, and proving them completely false or partially false. And uh, law enforcement today put out uh, an article. I'm kind of going to go through some of the claims. So that you know, um, you can have a, a, a better feel for uh, law enforcement. Uh, because as you know, in our country, law enforcement has been demonized. And, uh, and you know, it, it's, it's a God-ordained profession. We need good men out on the front lines. Because uh, otherwise, who wants to do it? You know, it's a thankless job. So the first claim is the, the exterior door to the school was propped open when the gunman entered that's that's false the teacher heard the shooter wreck his truck he ran outside to call 911 and was told by a neighboring funeral home that he had a gun she ran back inside while removing a rock that was propping the door open the doors was, are supposed to automatically lock when they close but it didn't that cause is being investigated so that's that's the first one they it, you know we thought that he just well he walked right into an open door you know it was unlocked but Claim number two: Police were too scared to enter the school until Border Patrol got there. That's false. Police entered the school four minutes after the initial nine one one call, and as they approached the classroom where the shooter was, he was he shot through the wall, injuring two officers. Police could not return fire for risk of injuring kids inside. And they were only equipped with handguns. We never have to, if, unless we have target acquisition, which there's no way we could we lay rounds down you know, downfield, especially when there's kids involved there. You know, so the, the thought that we they didn't do anything uh, to make entry it was is ridiculous. Uh, this guy had a long gun, you know, had a, a rifle, you know, that uh, was able to fire through, you know, through block walls and and so um, all they had were were, were handguns. So claim number three, a border patrol agent retrieved a handgun from his barber and entered the school to take out the shooter because the police wouldn't. That's false. An agent did retrieve a shot, a shotgun from his barber and he entered the school, but he stacked up on the hallway with, with police. Okay. So, um, yeah, they made it sound like, you know, he walked right through there and, 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 and he was the only one doing something. Uh, I, Bravo to him for wanting to get involved. Apparently, his child was was at that school. So, I mean, I'd be doing the same thing. Claim number four, police sat in the hallway for about 40 minutes while the shooter killed 19 kids. That's false. The shooter shot 18 kids in the four minutes before the police entered the building. He then shot two of those officers, but there wasn't a single shot fired from the time they dragged both officers out until Bortak Arrived on scene. BORTAC is is a uh, uh, is the Border Patrol tactical unit. It's a well trained, um, well known unit. They're in various states, but uh, that's that. So there, it's it's a tactical team. During that time, police kept the gunman pinned in one location, evacuated the rest of the school, and eventually found the principal who was hiding with the master key. So and I've I've heard a teacher interviewed and he says no no they were in there they they helped me get out they saved my life and uh but the the, that's important to note that the 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 18 kids in the first four minutes were 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 slaughtered it was initially understood that bortak called out to the students inside the classroom and the gunman shot the girl who did however we just received a message from muvaldi family stating that a boy inside the classroom said to fool everyone in the room, the gunman yelled out, if anyone needs help, yell help. A girl in the classroom yelled and the gunman shot her. This is what prompted Bortac to breach the door. Okay. And as you know, those, oh, as you know or may not know, um, those doors open outward. Okay. So it takes special tools to get through a door like that because, uh, you know, you can't, you're not pound you can't pound them in. They're, they open out. And uh, so... Claim number five: Police shouldn't. Sh- police should have found a way to breach the door earlier. Mostly false. Okay, and uh, getting to that, that's what I was talking about. There's no one right answer in these situations, as there are too many variables. However, the police were shot through a concrete wall. The classroom door was an outward-opening steel door set into a concrete wall with steel door frame. This type of door is incredibly difficult to breach without special tools. And they're designed to keep active shooters out. At the time the police were able to regroup after dragging the injured officers out, the shooting had stopped. The classified this classified the situation as a barricaded gunman with hostages. Rushing a hostage taker will often force them to begin executing hostages. And this is especially true if you cannot breach a door within a split second and utilize the element of surprise. An example of this can be seen with the little girl that the gunman killed as Bortak was preparing to breach. Yeah, that's uh, that's, a, that's a difficult situation. You know, it's tough when you don't have maybe a secondary entry. You know, when we would do entries, we always sought a secondary door in our planning so that if we got defeated at the first uh, point, we would be able to rally to the to the secondary entry point and uh, and go from there because it is you're trying to have the element of surprise if someone's sitting on the other side with a a, a rifle pointed at you it's going to be curtains for the team so um, the next claim the police admitted that they screwed up and made the wrong call in a press conference that's false a texas dps official who was Department of uh, Public Service official was speaking from a place of emotion, made some statements that had been completely taken out of context. And during these situations in the moment, um, you, you you only know what you know and you you don't know what you don't know, you know, and uh, decisions can only be made based on what the information you have at the time. And so but with the benefit of hindsight, you know, where people are sitting now, where I'm sitting, of course, it's it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, said uh, Colonel uh, McGraw. And um, and so, important notes, okay? That being said, you know, an active shooter is only an active shooter when uh, when they're actively shooting on the move. Once the shooting stops and the suspect is contained, it's it's protocol to slow everything down and treat the situation as a barricaded gunman, and in this case, a barricaded gunman with hostages. And the next step is to bring and bring in or initiate negotiations. So you have special people trained to, to to toss host, like hostage negotiators to come in and uh, talk this guy down. Um, and then a uh, Walde PD did this. Okay. The shooter was classified as an active shooter briefly. When officers entered the school, he shot through a concrete wall and hit two officers. As I said earlier, officers did not return fire because the gunman was in a classroom with kids and they couldn't see him to identify a clear shot. It makes sense. The risk of hitting a kid was too great, and they were only equipped with handguns at the time. As police were pulling the two injured officers to safety, a shooting stopped, and there wasn't a single shot for another 40 minutes. Police began evacuating over 100 kids and faculty to safety while the gunman was contained. They were also notifying Bortec to respond with special equipment and searching the school for a master key. So it's understandable to question how all this happened, how he you know how he entered the school what he took how long it took to to neutralize him however the the officers who responded did what they could with the information they had at the time and the resources they had available to them okay so a better picture of why the department didn't have those tools readily available why why there wasn't a better determined method of a full access to the billing needs to be determined but it's fundamentally wrong to be placed in all this blame on the officers who ran into the school. Four of them had kids of their own inside. So these claims are, are what's already out there being spread. And the alternate opinions are based on listening to every nine one one call, reading transcripts, comparing timelines, listening to press conferences and so on and so forth. But to money morning quarterback, these officers was just, uh, that was, that was just wrong. And, um, anyway, hope you take something away from this. There's still more I could say, but, uh, You know, we're out of time on this segment. We'll be right back with our guest, Megan Morris.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Welcome back to Jesus Nine One uh, One, Rubenaba here, and uh, I'm going to introduce uh, our guest. And uh, just to give you some context, uh, I was out there about two weeks ago doing a, a talk to some men whose who, whose wives are, are pregnant, and they're part of this. Uh, they're going to this Life Center of Santa Ana. It's Walking with Moms, and on one of the brochures, well, first of all, I was I was really taken uh, at what they were doing with the women that were coming in and helping them uh, with their pregnancies or, or just things in need. and uh, But in one of their um, pamphlets, it, it, it this is kind of, it, it introduces it. it, it just, I'll just read this before I introduce my guests. In March of 2020, on the 25th anniversary of Evangelium Vitae, Pope, Paul, Pope John Paul II's landmark encyclical, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, released the initiative Walking with Moms, and uh there's they have their own website, website walkingwithmoms.com inviting parishes to enter into the hearts of the most vulnerable women in our communities and to see through their eyes. ultimately inviting all women in need to come to the church for help and to be embraced as our sisters and i saw that firsthand and i met uh i met megan morris who's our guest today and and uh i saw some of the things she was doing and, and talking with her and to see her heart and and uh, see her faith. It was just simply amazing, and I knew I had to get her onto the show for you to 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 hear her and and to see the, the great work that they're doing down there. Megan Morris is married to her husband, Chris, for 26 years and feels blessed to have two young adult children, Megan and Eamon, and Megan is a parishioner at Holy Family Church in Orange, California, and keeps busy as a shepherd of, of the Life Center of Santa Ana. Good morning, Megan. Thank you for joining us. We're really happy to have you.
2: Good morning, Reuben. It is such a, a privilege to be here. So thank you so much for your invitation. Yeah,
1: you're very welcome. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And, and are you a cradle Catholic or a convert? Or, and what do you love about your faith?
2: Well, uh, I am not a cradle Catholic in, in my family. Um, I, you know, my parents, uh, it, they, they did not know how they didn't know much about their own faith. So no fault of their own. Christmas was really about Santa Claus and Easter was all about the Easter bunny. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really a a faithful family that moved in across the street from us when I was a young girl that role modeled uh, a a life of being rooted as a family in Christ. And I wanted that. I wanted that for myself and for my own family. And so uh, that led me to do some discerning and this longing on my heart was greeted by a a big marquee sign outside of a parish one day when I was on a run. And it said something to the effect of, are you hungry for something more? And I was, Mm -hmm. I didn't know Christ. I wanted that. And so uh, I went through the RCIA program at that very church that I ran by that day that God had me run by it.
1: (laughs) Oh, great story. (laughs) And how old were you at the time?
2: I was in my early twenties, and you know, I I myself was lost. I I like to say that I was uh, similar to the the woman of Samaria, where um, I I didn't know anything about my dignity as a woman. I didn't know that I was a beloved daughter of a king. Right. And and had I known these things and the invitation of living a life um, of chastity, um. Uh, and embracing God's plan for marriage, the way that He had set it up, the theology of our bodies, uh, I, I would have lived differently. Um, so I was kind of on that track and stuck in a rut. And Reuben, I did not know that I could begin again. And that's what I love about confession, right?
1: Right. Very mistake.
2: Yeah. We can start over.
1: Absolutely. Um, So how would you describe your relationship with uh, the Holy Spirit? And did you always recognize the joy of the Holy Spirit uh, working in your life? And this is coming on the Feast of Pentecost, so it's probably a good good question.
2: Praise God for Pentecost. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. I I didn't. You know, I went through this RCIA program, and I think, um, you know, we get caught up in just saying, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, We don't really pray it, right? And in that prayer, uh, I entered into a uh, evangelization retreat at my parish and was transformed. I had never known the Holy Spirit in such a powerful and intimate way. Never before had I responded to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit on my heart. And the more you do that in that relationship, the more you do that right and then <laughs> to be able to live that and share that joy it's absolute joy when you come to know the holy spirit to be able to share that with with the women that we encounter at at the life center has just been a great gift
1: nice um you know yeah you're right i think um a lot of people uh they'll pray to god the father and certainly you know our separated brothers they're always praying to you know uh jesus in jesus name and and that's that's fine that's correct but what the, a lot of people leave out is the holy spirit and uh he's he's very very important uh so how did you get involved in this ministry work of the life center of santa Ana?
2: well i i saw a need at our parish and just a note to all our listeners if you see a need at your own parish, trust that if you bring that to your pastor, he's going to say, why don't you fill that need? (laughs) (laughs) And so (laughs) that's exactly what happened. I saw a need for a real uh, active respect life uh, ministry in our parish. And so um, uh, our pastor just encouraged me you know to really discern what that looked like and so it was during that time that i started volunteering at our neighborhood pregnancy resource center which is life center of santa Ana. and uh through through my slow beginnings of volunteering uh, this opportunity opened up again all the power of the holy spirit for me to then step in and shepherd that ministry which was really um all the grace of god
1: amen and um you know, I've been on the front lines um, many times uh, at abortion, uh, um, you know, centers and and uh, and trying to and praying rosaries out there and 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 sometimes I've been asked the question, well, what are you doing for for those pregnant women once they have the baby? You're always, you know, save the baby, but what about these these women who don't have money? You know, or it's going to make life difficult for them. What are you doing to help them help the living babies? Have you ever heard that question posed to you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, What a powerful question. And I I get it. I've been asked that myself. I know many of our listeners uh, pray outside Planned Parenthood and they too want to do more. And so uh, that's what our job is here at the Life Center. We want to remove all the fear that an abortion minded mother has in choosing life for her baby. Mm -hmm. And so that's really through relationship, we're going to do that. We always say that, you know, we don't want to be known for the material goods that we provide. We want to be known for the love of Christ that we offer and invite them into. So, yes, to answer your question, what are we going to do? We're going to do anything and everything. And I'll talk more on that in a few of the stories I share um, uh, in a little bit.
1: So tell tell us about the Life Center. What services do you provide?
2: So we provide uh, everything from diapers to wipes, uh, car seats if they need, brand new car seat, brand new pack and play to for baby to sleep, right? And the car seat is so important because you know, now we've birthed this baby. We still have an obligation as a community, right? To keep baby safe. So let's all work together to make sure baby is safe with that car seat, with that safe place to sleep. Uh, that mother has everything she needs. Like right now, Ruben gas is so expensive. I can't believe it. We spent a hundred dollars yesterday to fill up my car and I don't even go anywhere. Mm. And so, you know, providing gas cards, so that our mothers and fathers can come to attend events at the Life Center. They can come to pick up goods at the Life Center. Again, we're all about these material goods, whatever they need. We always tell our families, please reach out to us first. If we don't have it, we're going to do our best to get it for you.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing. So um, can you explain to our listeners what walking with moms is?
2: Yeah, so you read briefly at the beginning of the show, so, the USCCB released this initiative in February of 2020, just as the pandemic hit. God's perfect timing, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, really, that initiative was an invitation. I see it, this is my interpretation, an invitation for all our parishes, all our communities to really better discern how we can support pregnant and parenting mothers and fathers in need. And so, we here at the life center took that and we prayed with that what does that mean for our life center and at that time it really was an opportunity to breathe uh, the power of the holy spirit fresh holy spirit love into our life center and so by that we really took on our identity as a catholic life center we've been around for almost 50 years uh, praise God, our founders, Ruth and Richard Rosak, they too responded to the Holy Spirit and built up this life center. And it's only through them that they've invited me to take on and shepherd us into this walking with mom's future. And so in that, the thing that really changed is now we, we are volunteer team. We are center. We are known by all as a Catholic pregnancy resource center. And, and what that provides is really hope, hope in the love of Christ. And in that invitation, uh, we set up mentoring. And so, you know, recognizing that we have uh, teenagers as young as 15 coming into our life center, we can't, in good conscience, if they test negative, we can't say, bye we'll see you the next time you're almost pregnant right we have an obligation as a community as one holy catholic and apostolic church to walk with our young moms to invite them back into a relationship with christ to reclaim their dignity if they have gotten off track so we really do so much more but it's mostly in that mentoring that we provide one-on-one or in the group invitations where we can uh, better you know have a relationship you know, and you said it perfectly when you're on the sidewalk at Planned Parenthood, shame on us. You can't celebrate a save, if you will, if the mother turns about because we don't know if she's coming back the next day. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's unknown. And it's good to, to have this in your your pocket to to give them this information. Because I was kind of I when I was out there, I didn't know where I could send them, you know, for, for help. And, and this is good to know. And there's uh, other parts of the country. I understand have these, these centers. Is that correct? Um, Would that be fair? A fair statement. There's other walking with moms. uh,
2: You know, I I do. I want to be fair Ruben and say that really all our pregnancy resource centers are walking with moms, right? They're doing their best to provide hope for moms in crisis pregnancy, um, what we're doing that is different is we have changed our intake form to really reflect our Catholic faith. And so, yeah, we want to know you know the basics: mom's date of birth, her her uh, her address, um, her background information, her health history. But then we want to ask her some deep questions, so we have a sense of where she is, or our dad's. He has a walking with dads form that he fills out. And hey Megan, where
1: he- Megan, could you yeah. hold that thought? We're coming up on our yeah. first, on a break, and we'll we'll pick that up on the other side of the break. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back with Megan Morris. Now, back to Jesus nine
0: one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: We are back, Jesus 911, with our special guest, Megan Morris from Life Center of Santa Ana. That's Santa Ana, California, and it's Walking with Moms. And Megan, you were giving, uh, you were talking about your intake form, and you started talking about what you do for the men there. And um, I thought that was was beautiful. Uh, Could you finish up on your thought on that?
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Ruben. Um, So, you know, I I do believe that all pregnancy resource centers are walking with moms in in one way or another, our efforts to save the unborn. Um, uh, We here at Life Center, it's uh, a Catholic intake form. And by that, asking some some deep questions to our young moms or our young fathers, depending on who is Mm -hmm. filling out the forms, Uh, You know, questions on are you interested in baptism in the Catholic faith for you or for your baby? Are you interested in hearing about the sacrament of marriage and the joy of living that uh, in the Catholic faith? And and my favorite, are you interested in us having a priest contact you Mm -hmm. to schedule reconciliation? So what we're doing here at the Life Center is cooperating with all our parishes and the diocese so that we never have to say to young moms and dads, you know what, why don't you Google a church in your area and learn about confession, right? We want to be that instrument of God's love, reach out to the parish, and then have the parish contact the young mom or young dad. You know, we have so many wounded mothers and fathers, they don't feel like they're welcome at our churches. And you know, we may have had something to do that uh, by giving a funny look at a young pregnant teenage mom, maybe, or worse yet, Reuben. I've seen and heard so many stories about mothers and fathers themselves telling their teenage children, you must abort that baby or we will never go to church again, you have brought shame to this family, so we really want to get beyond that and share the love and mercy of Christ and connect our clients, our mothers and fathers, bring them back home, home to our faith, our beautiful faith.
1: Well said, um, Megan. I, so what what you're saying there is, it, by introducing them to the to the faith as well as giving them material goods, this this translates and makes it apostolic action. You know, you're um, you're not just supplying them with with goods and services because you know, a secular um, center could do the same thing, but you're also what's most important is their their salvation, their soul, and you're inviting them into that relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that that's I think this is what probably separates you from other centers, perhaps uh, with a, w- without a faith based um, you know component there. So, um, what's the mission of the Life Center?
2: You know what, Ruben, praise God. I got to get you in here. I, I know you've been in here, but I think we need you on our team because you really just said the mission of the Life Center, which is not only save the unborn. I mean, praise God. That's huge. That's powerful. That's life. But not only save the unborn, but invite the mother, the father, and the baby to come home to Christ his church and a community of support right it's not mm-hmm. only the unborn it's saving all souls otherwise we have this pattern of repeat behaviors repeat mistakes repeat abortions
1: yes very that's right and, and uh, the whole reason i was there two weeks ago is because some friends of mine from the curcio movement had asked me to come and, and speak to these men and they had been moved. I was, I was speaking with John Fernandez and he, he was moved after hearing you speak at his parish. And, uh, he says, I have to get involved. And so, so was, what can I do? And, uh, so they, they wanted to t- take an interest in the men that were out sitting in the parking lot waiting for their wives, you know, as they were uh, at the center in a class or, or, or just getting counseling. And they wanted to take an interest in these men to bring them into that relationship. And, and, uh, and I thought that was that was powerful because, yeah, there's there's always there's two to uh, to the that that cause the pregnancy. Right. So you need to have both of them involved and uh, you don't want absent fathers for sure, because we know mm-hmm. what that leads to. So um, what conversations do you have with the women whom you encounter at the Life Center? You know, the
2: conversations, Ruby that my parents, you know, at no fault of their own, never had with me. Mm. And I, I too, and my husband and I were guilty of not having with our young adults. And I think, you know, for our listeners today, it's so, so important to have conversations with our young adult children or grandchildren, whomever it is in our lives. Uh, about the theology of our bodies and that God has designed us, God has ordered us with a beautiful way to love uh, each other in marriage and love him. And that love can be so powerful. So we have to start from scratch. We have to start uh, uh, having conversations with our young moms and dads about what is dignity? Do you know? Do you know what that means? What is love, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I don't know God, I don't know authentic good love. Um, what is dating? Uh, what is a healthy relationship, especially when we add to it the challenges of texting and sexting and porn? Um, and then, what is modesty? What does that look like? And and chastity and self-control you know we talk about pentecost and and how we are through the gift of the holy spirit not just to celebrate that gift within us but to bring those fruits to all those whom we encounter so um those conversations are important those conversations on contraception that being contrary to our dignity um it it's the list is endless but the love you know and the baby steps are so important because we don't want to be pointing the finger saying you know what catholicism is a quick fix to all of your problems that's that's not what it is it's this discovery of christ and yeah. and what it lives uh, what it means to live out our dignity
1: right right teaching them about uh, about uh, christ and because, as like Saint Thomas Aquinas says, that you cannot love what you do not know, and you can only love what you do know to the extent that you know it. So many of them have never been catechized, and uh, so they find themselves in these, this predicament, uh, you know, pregnant out, outside of marriage, and and so we want to encourage them to uh, to learn about Jesus Christ and and get into that that relationship with with Christ. Um, so can you talk about, um, the, st- the, well, do you have a favorite gospel story? How's that? that? That speaks to the work of that, the life center has that does there.
2: Yes. My, my team and I, we always talk about the beautiful gospel story of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are Good Samaritans who are praying at Planned Parenthood as we speak. There are Good Samaritans who are uh, uh, making an online donation to a pregnancy resource center. There are Good Samaritans all over doing the good work of the Lord. But that that story is so powerful because, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about somebody praying outside of Planned Parenthood, just like in the Good Samaritan, uh, he comes across a victim, right? Somebody who is wounded, broken, hurting, um, and he's moved with compassion. So I like to say that the people praying on the sidewalk or praying in our churches for the unborn, for an end of, end of abortion. They are those who are moved with compassion. They're the good Samaritan in that way. Um, but then he goes beyond that right then he tends to the victim in the gospel story he gets down on his knees and he pours oil and wine on the wounds of the victim and how that really is our sanctifying grace and how beautiful that is those who are in nursing those who hey don't mind I will take care of you. Come with me. Um, and then then he puts him on his animal and brings him to the inn, right? Who is outside of Planned Parenthood that's going to say, look, come in my car or follow me. I'm going to take you to this life center or another resource center that can help you. And then he goes beyond that, right? He brings him to the inn. And that's where Bishop Barron, I love Bishop Barron, Rubin, because he says the inn is our church right so he brings the victim to the end because without the end without our faith we can't do life alone Mm. and how beautiful that is and so but then he goes beyond that in the gospel story he, he leaves two coins with the innkeeper and he says i will check back on on my return and that's relationship and so you know we see that With a lot of moms, when we get them an ultrasound, we can't then say, we'll see you in nine months when your baby is due. It's all about relationship, walking with them, becoming part of that journey, removing all that fear. So I can't talk enough about the power and the good Samaritan and how I'm not asking you to be the good Samaritan doing all those steps. I'm saying as one holy catholic and apostolic church we can better walk with moms and dads in need.
1: That's right. And then that story as that story goes those a couple of people that passed him up before the good samaritan uh did what he did and one of them being a priest. So um we do have to step out in faith and and you mentioned the ultrasound, oh, Megan. So, you know, um, I think. Can you talk about the, the how important that is? Uh, once an ultrasound is given, for the, because it, the science that's it's science doesn't lie. So, do you, you don't have one there on site, but you have access to one? Can you explain that?
2: Yeah. So we moved to this new location um, at the start of the new year, and the reason we did so. At, is because we're a tiny nonprofit, right? So for us to bring in an ultrasound machine and a doctor, nursing staff, uh, that's going to be dollars and cents and bring our insurance up. So we did the next, next best thing, and that was all the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, this space opening up right, right in the same complex as our ultrasound provider. So to be able to walk our moms over to their ultrasound appointments has been life-saving and 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 that's the word i use with the ultrasound life-saving power for mothers and fathers to see the heartbeat um and and if i can now i'll I'll just share a story of one of our our moms um how are we with time and and i'll watch the time ruben so i can uh
1: okay uh, yeah we're coming up on another break but um this is great stuff uh I'm overwhelmed. This is great, honestly. So, we're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. I'll, I'll, t- I'll quickly, time flies when you're having fun. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Jesus 911, where iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. In this case, uh, a woman is sharpening us here. So Megan is uh, Megan Morse is my guest and if you're just tuning in, she's the uh, the administrator, I, I don't know if that if that's the right title, but uh, of the Life Center of Santa Ana, she's walking with moms. And it's a total voluntary, uh, position. Uh, Megan doesn't take a salary, but you know, she, um, it's a group of volunteers that she, she has brought together to, to set this thing up. And, and if one of the, the things she said in the first segment, if you had missed it was that they're, they want to remove any fear of choosing life. I thought that was so powerful. And, uh, so here we are, you're going to tell us the story. So, Go ahead and pick up, Megan, where you left off on this. Uh, Stories are great. So let's hear what.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Ruben. Yeah, we were talking about the life saving power of an ultrasound and how here in our new location, we can shepherd our mothers from our center over to their ultrasound appointment. And on some cases we have even been invited to come in and sit with our moms. Uh, But this particular story is about a woman who came to us to pregnancy test back in December. And when she walked into the center, she brought this heaviness about her. You know, She was carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she announced to everyone who was in the center, I know I'm pregnant. I already have my abortion scheduled for Friday. I just want another pregnancy test to make sure that it really is true and don't try and talk me out of it. So, you know, that time there was powerful while she was pregnancy testing, how we prayed through that and provided hope and and please, you know, talk to us, don't leave yet, stay and nope, uh, uh, we let her go, but reached out to her later that day via text, via phone call, the next day, please come in. Don't go to Planned Parenthood. Come and talk to us. We want to be there with you. We can do this together, your family, you know, just loving on her. And it broke our hearts over the next few days. We kept leaving messages and and did not hear from her. Mm. Well, praise God. Two weeks later, she called and she said, thank you thank you. <laughs> Can you get me an ultrasound? I didn't go to Planned Parenthood that day. And so we set up that ultrasound with uh, for her. And um, she herself said, and I've written this down because it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Once I saw that heartbeat on the monitor, it's like the whole world was paused. She knew it was life, right? right? The whole world was paused, and she can't believe she couldn't believe that she ever considered abortion. So, yes, there's life-saving power in the ultrasound. Yes,
1: yeah, because uh, we've been they've they've been fed lies that it's just a clump of cells. It's not it's not human, and uh, you know it's so that's how their their minds have been shaped uh, by the the left um, the the pro pro death uh, advocates um so ha, do you want to share a story of of your spending time out on the front lines in front of an abortion clinic
2: yeah you know i i i believe that even if i spent every day praying on the sidewalk uh, of the abortion clinic mm-hmm. i would still not be uh the best that i can be in defending life right mm-hmm. and and i think i think I think our listeners, too, feel uh, ill-equipped uh, to defend life. How do we do that? Because, you know, when people are pulling into these clinics, they, they are reacting. They are reacting in fear. They're afraid. They just want to get this taken care of so they can move past that. And I don't, you know, I, I invite our listeners, especially those praying on the sidewalk, to enter into the apologetics uh, of defending life, right? For knowing how to defend the unborn, to know how to to define the unborn. So many of us, I too was guilty of this, are ill-equipped. You know, what is the unborn? How do I speak to that? And so in, in the encounters we have with, family members, you know, those in different camps, if you will, uh, the world uh, in schools and workplaces, mm-hmm. you know, being able to speak to these things and really listening to all the uh, good materials out there to learn the best that we can to defend life.
1: Really, that's, that's well said. Do you have a story, Megan, that that just breaks your heart to share?
2: You know, I, I do, Ruben, thank you for asking me that. And it's, it's, it's great perspective. Um, and, and for me, it's similar. It's that same ultrasound story, right? You know how this one woman we brought over, um, she, was, she was changed, she was transformed mm-hmm. by the heartbeat she saw in the ultrasound. But remember, she was gonna go to the abortion clinic two weeks before, right? Yeah. So um, what about that woman who has that ultrasound and still chooses to go there. And that's the story that breaks my heart. A woman who canceled her appointment here. We, When someone cancels, that's a red flag. So we reach out to them right away. Um, how can we support you? Do you want to come in? We're here for you. Let's talk. And she did not want to come in. She said, I already have my abortion scheduled. I said, please let's just have a conversation just come in let's have a cup of coffee right that's it (laughs) and so she did she responded to that and I was grateful and we talked about her her existing children her beautiful children we talked about the promise of life and the future and this life inside of her I walked her over for that ultrasound she even came back and showed us the ultrasound Uh, She took the prenatal vitamins, there was hope she left with the hope of Christ and, and uh, reaching out to her, you know, the next day, she told me that she was going for the abortion anyway. And so it's so important that we recognize there's only one Savior of the world, right? And his name is Jesus Christ. So we do the best that we can do as good Samaritans, we can't save everyone.
1: Wow, yeah, that's, that, that is true. But people always like to hear about saves. Uh, do you have any other stories of the stories of women that have that have said no to abortion?
2: Yeah, you know, and that that story I talk about uh, with a woman that I just shared who then got that ultrasound and recognized that, wow, her whole world was paused. Well, it's very interesting, Ruben. It's all God, because in the center that day that she came to pregnancy test, We actually had one of our parish priests in volunteering. And so he prayed with us that day. And then lo and behold, you know, after, of course, she is now we're walking with her. We reach out to her regularly. But how beautiful it was last Tuesday to have her come into the center, you know, Mm. formerly abortion minded and now anticipating with joy the birth of her son um, and guess who was in the center the day that she came this past Tuesday, that same priest. So, you know, I talk about a culture of life center. That's really what's happening here at Life Center of Santa Ana in these relationships, reaching out to our parishes, respect life groups, our priests, uh, whoever's in charge of baptism, these things, um, how we can better. Share the good news, and I, I really believe our priests are, are grateful that they can see for themselves this place of hope, like we were talking about. You know, they want to see something that is real.
1: That's wonderful, yes. Um, we have in the few minutes we have left, uh, can you, uh, Megan, can you tell us about the success of the team, the volunteer team that you have there? Um, and I want to ask you a couple other questions, so um. I know your team is just, uh, they give of themselves. They give them their, their time. Um, Matthew 25, uh, it comes to mind, you know, where, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me thirsty, naked, and you clothed me and all that. And, and you're doing that. You're putting, uh, action to, to your faith. And that's, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. Wow. I am so grateful. And again, the power of the Holy spirit, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and it will be made true. Praise God. <laughs> and, Reuben, if you believe that the volunteers will come, the Lord is going to bring them. And He has done that with this team of faithful uh, Catholic men and women um, who themselves are being fed, right? You cannot have a team that can share effectively share the love of christ the promise of salvation the hope and joy in a relationship rooted in jesus unless they themselves are being fed so that's that is the main component of being a volunteer here is are you being fed and and are we doing our best as a team to be fed so um for every team member i have i give thanks and praise we start the day with prayer we we look we look to the virgin mother as our perfect example of humility of pointing the way to her son of of praying uh, throughout the day uh, the angelus um hail mary's especially when someone is pregnancy testing Um, those phone calls that are challenging, praying with our team members. And we also have uh, two team members on Thursdays who come in to off uh, to provide spiritual care. Right. This is something I don't think our modern world knows, like what is spiritual care? Wow. That is that is, you know, the good Samaritan taking care of the wounds of the victims. Right.
1: Megan, um, we have just a, a minute left here. What are your greatest needs at the center? How could people donate to you? Because this uh, our platform here extends throughout the country. Uh, if people wanted to donate, or uh, what can they do? Where can who wh- what do they contact?
2: Ruben, I love you. Thank you for that question. Our website really shares our story so beautifully, lifecenterofsantaana.org Please go uh, go on there. There are opportunities to learn about volunteering, donating, and online giving. And I also encourage you to check out, as you said earlier, walkingwithmoms.com, the USCCB, putting that uh, website out to help all parishes better grow and embrace what this ministry means to them.
1: Well, Megan, uh, you uh, are just so passionate about what you do, and it it just comes out— exudes from you you could see uh jesus is thoroughly has thoroughly changed your life and uh it's it's an amazing thing and we can do encourages us to do more so thank you so much for your witness for your example and uh you know we love you that you came on here and all the work that you're doing god bless you and the, the, the center the volunteers at that center uh anyway that's 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 a wrap um We have uh, coming up next is Gary Maschuda with Hands-On Apologetics. And you've been listening to Jesus 911 and our guest Megan Morris from Life Center, Santa Ana, Walking with Moms. We are done. We are out. Enjoy the rest of your day. Keep the faith. Pray your rosaries. You're 10-7 out